Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope your fantasy team treated you well. I don't know, kind of a mixed bag on that. Although we were just having a, a, a humble brag session in uh, in our studio just a moment ago. More on that in a little while. Hi there. Uh, it's the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. They will see you tomorrow morning. All of our guests, when uh, they appear, they do so courtesy of our hotline. What are we doing this afternoon? You just heard Kevin Winter talk about it. He's counting F-bombs and giving Sports Center updates and uh, watching Monday Night Football, which we are watching. Seahawks and Broncos will up that, uh, update that game as it is going on. Uh, we will also uh, tell you that that game is on our sister station, CBS 1500, Hawaii's information station, uh, in case you want to get that game in full. Obviously, uh, we'll look back to uh, University of Hawaii football over the weekend against Michigan in I think what is one of the uh, it, it's one of the, the the toughest games to come back and and talk about because a lot of it you kind of figured like you could have before that game even started uh, written out a script for what you would say about the game and then the question really would have been well what more would you end up saying based on you know again the uh, what you kind of figured the outcome was going to be. And weirdly enough, I don't know how much more you could have actually added to the script of what you kind of already figured uh, was, was going to happen. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on in this program. Uh, you can text us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And... Uh, as you always can do, you can send us your tweets. We are at Sports Animals. You can get to me uh, at Josh on the radio. Uh, obviously, we're watching Monday Night Football right now, which is uh, Broncos and Seahawks, uh, 7-3 Seattle with 8.08 to go in quarter number two. And uh, one of the things we talked about last week was how people would react to Russell Wilson. And I I recall what's been said is about 70-30 uh, booze to cheers as he came out the first time he did. And then the second time he came out, which was uh, a little bit, a, a little bit closer to kickoff. Second time he came out, it was, um, well, it was decidedly more booze, although not necessarily like the hearty kind of booze. And it was more like polite. It, it, it I never really got it as like really bad, like, you know, booing Russell Wilson. And um, I'm, a, I'm a little disappointed, but I also get it. And, and I think as you kind of paint the picture again of how fans understand the situation, I, I think the fans, by booing today, basically said one thing. Hey, we're not idiots. And, you know, most fans aren't. Sometimes fans get a really bad rap, 
Um, I, I know Hawaii fans sometimes get that because of the whole fair weather fickle thing. It, it comes up all the time. I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna go there with that song and dance. I don't I don't think we need it. But you hear it. Um, of of you know whether fans really do understand or they just complain to complain. Whatever it is. And, uh, I, you know, I like to give fans a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than people are, are willing to give them. And Russell Wilson getting booed is a great example of why it is that I'm willing to give, you know, a, a lot of these fans a lot more credit than, you know, they they're willing to give because – at some point, I think we we all kind of realize in here, at some point, as much as you love the player that's in front of you, and I think it's, it's very clear how much fans love Russell Wilson, uh, you can also be kind of upset for the fact that he didn't really want to be there. And I think that's kind of the difference. Like, if Russell Wilson had gone away and um you know he he was saddened and he was shocked that he was traded and we we played that whole scene that he's kind of like the victim in it that he never wanted to leave Seattle and that Seattle the franchise was bad for letting him go and and all that stuff then you know what would happen the fans would uh would, would certainly have come out in full force and would have cheered him back welcomed him back, made him feel good, all of those things, and this would be much ado about nothing. But I recall a story, I think we referenced it last week. Um, Russell Wilson had let it had let it out. The Seahawks tried to trade him um, several years prior and never had a chance to do it and, and, and never could pull the trigger. He didn't get something that was good enough to trade him. Um, and in the last couple of years, as we've talked about, the one thing that I have said that Russell Wilson was wrong in, uh, even though he's done 99.8% of things right as a professional athlete, both on and off the field, the one thing that I thought he was wrong in was trying to, to claim more power in the front office and, and trying to get um, you know, trying to get more of a say. And that kind of started the ball rolling to 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 where we currently sit, because very clearly, uh, the Seahawks weren't willing to give that, and that obviously showed Russell Wilson didn't want to be there because he didn't want to, he didn't feel the value of being there. All that as it is, fans know that. That's one of the the blessings and curses of social media, and NFL insiders. Because you tend to know a lot more of that now because all of that exists. Like, you can't hide. If this were, I don't know, 30 years ago, Russell Wilson doesn't have any of that stuff coming out. Um, If you were to find out any of it, you'd probably have to wait toward the next day to open up the newspaper to find out if Russell Wilson was that unhappy. And then, you know, along, along those lines, how many insiders of that caliber did you really have? You didn't have a lot of them. So if this, if, if Russell Wilson were playing in this league 30 years ago, most people don't know any of it. Because they don't know any of it, Russell Wilson's probably at 90% cheered 
and like 10% booed maybe just because he's playing on the opposing team and some people just don't care how long you played. But make no mistake when you hear those fans today. And if you go back, do they still do the Monday Night Football replay on television at 7? Um, <laughs> Dennis, like, I don't know. I don't care. We just watch it live. Uh, I know they've done it. Well, the first couple of years on ESPN television, uh, the cable company would show it again at 7 o'clock. I don't know if they do that now. Um, but if they do, or if you've got it on your on your DVR, or if you watch it back on um, on the ESPN app, however you do it, when you go back and you listen to it, and you listen to the quality of the boos, you're not going to hear like the boo quality that says, we don't like the guy. You hear the boo quality that says, we know why you're not here, and it's your fault. We respect you, but we're respectfully going to boo you and let you know that we know why you're not here, and it's because of you. But thank you. And, you know, the, the, the fun thing about it is everything else, you know, the, the, the Seattle fans haven't had to do anything else up until the point where uh, we just saw Russell Wilson throw a touchdown uh, to, to Jerry Judy because the Seattle Seahawks defense had done basically everything else. Russell Wilson hadn't found a wide receiver up until about a couple of minutes ago. All of his targets were toward running backs. He could not find um, a, a wide receiver against a very good and maybe underrated Seattle defense. They did all the work, uh, which was which was kind of fun. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, Russell Wilson, I, I saw an interview with um, Michelle Beisner-Buck on, uh, on Monday Night Countdown earlier. Russell Wilson seems really happy. Like, he doesn't seem like someone who's kind of stressed out about his situation there. He seems genuinely happy uh, that he's uh, somewhere where, I mean, he, I, I think he feels like he's treated really well. Like he's given a great opportunity to be a part of a franchise and kind of be what Peyton Manning was. Peyton Manning, you, you may remember, got there late in his career. Um, you know, didn't really have to carry a franchise. The franchise, in a way, kind of carried Peyton Manning. And I'm not saying that Russell Wilson's situation is exactly like Peyton Manning's situation because Peyton Manning got carried in a way because he physically was not 100% and was never going to be 100% uh, again in that league. Um, Russell Wilson is at least very much more capable, uh, very much healthy, and still definitely in the prime of his career. And uh, I think you can realize that as this game goes later, I think you will see a little bit of that from him and how, uh, how healthy he is and how capable he is. But both had the same thing, which is, I think, the other reason why Russell Wilson's very, very happy to be where he's at right now. One thing that he has, he has, um, he has a great defense. And that's something that was kind of declining in Seattle. The Seattle defense was slowly and steadily declining. And yet, Denver's built up what may be one of the best defenses it has had since Peyton Manning was quarterbacking the Denver Broncos team. 
So it's a it's a it's a great position for Russell Wilson to be in, and I think he feels freer. I think he feels happier. Look at him doing more things, going out to different places, and um, finding himself as someone who feels like he's an integral part of that franchise. And of course, not that long ago, Russell Wilson just got paid, and uh, and now he finds Jerry Judy, and uh, uh, has a touchdown. So uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll definitely. Keep following that game. We'll follow Russell Wilson, seeing how he's doing as a week one of the National Football League season comes to a close. We'll talk more about week one in the NFL. Some of the highlights, there were plenty of lower ones, including ties. They're back. Great. Uh, but when we come back, University of Hawaii football, we knew it was going to be tough for Hawaii against Michigan. Forget what the, uh, the, the over-unders were and all that. We knew it was going to be tough. But when we come back, how do you walk out of that game? What do you express moving forward? And what can you take a positive away from a game like that? I think you can. And we'll do that coming up next after we take a look at surf. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update is in just about 10 minutes. You're listening to the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. Uh, our text line is open at 808-296-1420. Uh, you can uh, text in there. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And uh, tomorrow I'm looking forward to our uh, our Tuesday turnaround with uh, the coach, Arnold Martinez. He and I will uh, mostly spend our time looking forward to Duquesne. Um, and maybe spending a little bit of time on the Michigan game. That's what that's what Mondays are for, uh, and helping to start building that bridge toward the next game, which indeed is is homecoming game. I I know there aren't a lot of positives that you can walk away from a game against Michigan with, um, you know, because we kind of we we. Um, we build ourselves up so much now on spreads, right? Like for some people, and I and I think lazily, I think for some people, um, if you cover the spread, all of a sudden, oh, it's a success. You may not watch any of the game, but if you didn't lose by 53, it's a success. Um you know, and, and and granted, it does build a lot into how we talk about the game on a on a weekly basis because yeah, it does take a new aspect and it does create some conversation and, and how we identify what the folks in the desert see, how we identify what we see, are our eyes telling us uh what we're supposed to be seeing, or for whatever reason are our eyes lying to us. And then we get to watch the game and we you know we we kind of figure that out you know um forget the score which i know is kind of impossible to do forget the 56 to 10 score i don't care that it wasn't a 51 and a half point game or whatever and that hawaii did cover the spread okay cool um there was that that 33 and a half in the first half that did not happen again whatever cool 
Um, but that's not really what I care about at the end of the day because spreads don't win you conference championships and they don't often win you games and they don't often get you to bowl games. So spreads, cool for conversation, not necessarily so much for game recap, but in um, kind of evaluating Hawaii after a game in which it's it's honestly kind of hard to evaluate, I look at Hawaii this way. Hawaii could have left that game in worse shape you consider the weather situation that both teams had to go through in including hawaii uh it could have gotten it could have gotten ugly and it didn't hawaii could have played a uh really sloppy ugly uh brand of football and hawaii didn't now granted i might argue that hawaii offensively was very conservative, very conservative. And that might be true. Again, what did you expect Hawaii to do in a game against a a defense that is incredibly athletic, incredibly physical, and can put you uh, in in a lot of pressure? What do you expect? You know, Hawaii took care of the football. Yeah, Hawaii didn't really do a lot offensively, uh, but it did have 11 first downs in the second half. I think just two in the first half. So Hawaii did start to get the ball moving a little bit. I will also say yes. Was it again against a lot of Michigan's backups? Sure. Michigan's backups are supposed to be better than you. So uh, if you're getting 11 first downs in the second half and you are starting to move the football where you weren't really doing it in the first half, then I think credit is deserved there Hawaii's ground game was the story because Hawaii's passing game was not and it was uh it was not going to be but you know what Hawaii got sacked once in this game and that was uh, the sack that Yellen took Hawaii did get their first couple of sacks defensively in this game and you know again a lot of it kept on the ground you know a, a lot of Diedrich Parson uh, some of Tylen Hines, who had the touchdown run, the 54-yarder. But Hawaii walked in and walked out and didn't walk out in a shape that you would consider worse for wear. And in a in a difficult game like that, it's a weird kind of way to call it a win, but it kind of is. You know, when you ask yourself, what do you learn from a game like that? Um it isn't always about score. It isn't always about what's in the box score. It isn't always just in numbers. You know, what you can take away from a team is how does a team handle itself in a game that is, to everybody else, supposed to feel impossible? And uh, I'll talk about what that means coming up in just a little bit. Don't forget on Wednesday, it is Call the Coach, uh, which is presented by Ruby Tuesday Hawaii and Paxa as we get ready for, uh, again, homecoming, another game week at home with Hawaii and Duquesne, and uh, John Veneri will uh, host Call the Coach at Ruby Tuesday at Moanalua in the Moanalua Shopping Center. That is at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. So uh, make sure you tune in for uh, all the Hawaii football conversation you can handle, your calls, your texts, and more. Also brought to you by IBEW Local 1186, HGEA,
Hawaii Pacific Health, and Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union. Sports Center coming up here in just a few. We'll update what has turned out to be not a surprise, a fairly good game so far uh, here on Monday Night Football with the Broncos and Seahawks. We'll update uh, we'll update that score in just a little while. What's on the Major League Baseball calendar, including Terry Francona's f bombs apparently, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to Hawaii football. And we'll, we'll get your thoughts on it as well. The the question we're asking outside of score. Outside of stats, can you walk away taking something good from that Hawaii-Michigan game? I'll tell you where I could coming up next after this Sports Center update. This is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. So what do you walk away from after Hawaii loses to Michigan that gives you any confidence? Makes you feel at least somewhat positive after a game like that. We welcome you back in. No, I'm not talking about the $1.9 million. Stop rolling in the dough. I'm not I'm not talking about that. We're not we're not taking the dollars. The dollar bills don't matter here. It it's helps. not about that. They they help, sure. It's not about that. I, I'm looking completely away from the amount of money that's going to the athletic department. I'm looking just at trends of what you're watching on the football field because, no, no one superimposed money uh, in the big house in Ann Arbor. Not like what Fox did yesterday when they superimposed yard markers on the uh, Soldier Field because nobody could see the yard markers at Soldier Field because the rain practically washed it all away. So you're watching a field that everybody was talking about that looked like it was Tecmo Bowl, where the yard markers were black, uh, and they were superimposed to feel like a video game. Or as I think someone said on uh, someone said on social media, it was like when you have the Nintendo. Remember you, the uh, the regular Nintendo, and you would uh, take the cartridge out and you'd blow on it on the bottom and then put it back in. You youngsters don't know anything about that. That's that's way before your time. We, we, you youngsters just had the discs. <laughs> we're, we're not superimposing Benjamins on the field. I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from the 1.9. I'm talking more about game trends. You know, sometimes in a, in a, uh, a game like that, where you are kind of that massive underdog, you get an idea of how a team comes out and how they perform do you see a team that is trying to be more than what it is, trying to do too much, or do you see a team that is, you know, kind of understanding of what it is and does too little or doesn't try or goes in feeling like it is, you know, it has no shot to win and kind of plays that way. And, you know, the 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 good news is, is I didn't see that. I didn't see a team that felt... Um, you know, just we're going in there and we're not expected to be anything. I kind of felt like I was watching a team that was kind of within itself. And and maybe there's something to be said for that hour weather delay that kind of takes the edge off. You know, we got to see uh, while we were doing countdown to kickoff from Big City Diner in YPO, we got to see some of the images of uh, some of the guys outside of the locker room 
watching the Tennessee Pitt game, along with some of the players from Michigan who were watching the the overtime of the Tennessee Pitt game. And you had Jim Harbaugh going over and dapping up some of the guys. And, uh, yeah, it, it didn't feel like, you know, this, this ultra um, – overwhelming atmosphere. In fact, I really believe that weather delay was actually good for Hawaii because it just kind of calmed some of that atmosphere down. Um, You still had 100,000 people inside the big house, but it the the rain tampered that, and I felt like Hawaii went in and just kind of was, you know, kind of played within itself. Granted, I felt like the offensive play calling, I think, was was very much conservative. It was very run heavy. And we knew coming in, I said it last week, you weren't going to run the football against Michigan. And outside of the touchdown that, that Tylen Hines had, Hawaii was not going to run the football successfully against Michigan. And that was very clear. Hawaii was also not going to throw the football successfully against Michigan. And going 13 of 36 uh, did Joey Yellen. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not surprised by that. But I didn't feel like I was watching a team that was trying to do too much, a.k.a. let's be too cute, let's let's get too creative, and if we're going to be in this in this environment and we know the other team's more physical, we know the other team's got more five-star guys, and, and we could go through all those storylines. We know all of those things. Um, you know, we're going to try to outsmart them. We're going to try to do this and do that. Um, I didn't see that. And in, in a way, that's good. I credit the coaching staff for that. Is because a lot of times, coaching staffs can get caught up in that too. They can get caught up in the idea that, all right, we've got to tone for the fact that Michigan is this and we're not. So we're going to make sure that, um, you know, we try to do things that we don't do and be something we're not to try to beat Michigan. You have to remember what's most important is getting ready for conference play. I'm not even talking about Duquesne. Conference play is the most important and You're not going to show a whole bunch of new wrinkles against Michigan, and you shouldn't. You're not going to get exotic against the Wolverines. Joe would agree. You shouldn't. What you should do is try to do what you do, and if it doesn't work, you try to adjust through that. Not go to page 32 of the 33-page playbook. I don't even know how, how big the playbook is. I'm just giving you numbers. What I also appreciated from watching Hawaii, we, we mentioned the second half, um, you know, the the amount of first downs, which was a lot more than what they had in the first half. Hawaii didn't give away the football, and Hawaii didn't beat itself. You know, one penalty for ten yards is actually really good. I can recall. Some people early on in the year, those first couple of games, and they're calling and they're talking about penalties, um, and they're they're talking about the um, uh, you know they're they're talking about the lack of discipline. Well, here in, in granted a blowout game in a in a forty six point deficit, 
you're talking about turnovers. You're not talking about them because you're not seeing them. And you're seeing just one penalty in a game that can get very much away from you, both physically and mentally and emotionally. There is some leadership in that, and there is some credit to that. That has nothing to do with lack of heart. That has nothing to do with with anything other than just kind of playing within yourself and knowing it's going to be tough, but not trying to be anything more than what you are. And it is a work in progress, and that sometimes is what work of progress, work in progress teams need to be. Is you can stunt growth by trying to overthink. You can stunt growth by trying to step outside the box just for the sake of trying to shock the world when you know that's not the most important thing in front of you. And that, I I actually give that coaching staff and that team a lot of credit for. What does it ultimately mean at the end of the day? Sure, it still means a loss. I don't know that anything was going to change that. Sure, um, it still means that a lot of people may not have an idea of what this Hawaii team is. And I think we'll get a great idea of that Hawaii team when Duquesne comes in. And uh, we'll see that on Saturday with that 6 o'clock kick. You know, but at least what I can take away was I saw discipline in a game that a lot of times can, can determine and prove how disciplined or how undisciplined you are. And... That game, I think, did a lot to show Hawaii can be disciplined in what can feel like an impossible situation. And I think a lot of credit can go to that. Let's say hi, uh, hi to Alex at 808-296-1420. Alex, what's up? What's up? Yeah, hey, we got the good airways going on right now? Uh, yeah, you're live. Oh. Roger, Roger. Hey, um, I, I like that you brought that up. What was I thinking about that? Um, uh, I was thinking about you know, you know, when I was critiquing the game, best as possible. But yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, they did hold a composure. They can't. I don't know how anybody would say they didn't play with heart or how hustle, but they, they they played their hearts out and to the end, you know, we just overmatch. Um, if I might talk about the offense a little bit, sure, of uh, course. I like the. I like that. It, to me, it seems like they grew up in the second quarter. It's like they be, they, they got a rhythm going um, against a very good team. I don't I don't know. It, it seems to me like they still had their starters in uh, during that the, the third beginning of the third quarter. Even if it was a second stringer, it's way better than any competition in in our in our division. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they grew up a little bit. I like I like those inside runs. Some hey, like number twenty four guy. He's got great vision. He's got great. My goodness, and uh, but all the running backs, uh, all three of them, I like. Uh, I like what they bring. I like the. Ch- I would like to see uh, the, the the starter as a change of pace back. Um, we had that speed guy, I think number nine or eleven. I'm not looking at my notes right now. Uh, it just seems like uh, everything was working. The coach is coaching his butt off. He was like, oh my goodness, he was calling some great plays. You know, everything everything seemed to be uh, having a better rhythm. I didn't have see them have a good rhythm like that consistently in the first two weeks or the first 10 quarters. And then all of a sudden, like, the runs was happening. And then, uh, you know, the pass was happening. And people started getting opening. I, I, I love the rhythm. Uh, the, the the defensive side of the ball, wow. I mean, 
where do you start with that? I mean, uh, D linemen, they have so much art. Uh, this felt, it, for me, kind of when I was looking at it, it's like uh, a lot of guys uh, wasn't closing in on potential opportunities to get to the alley and close the gap before they, the, 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 you know, the runners or whoever got out of the alley. And then now the guy has more talent than them. So when you have somebody like that in outside of the alley and you can't, you know, they're in a wider space, then it's, it's not a good situation. And, you know, um, uh, it, it kind of felt like uh, on top of their zones, uh, I didn't know where they, they needed to be. They were like, I just focusing behind the, behind the backfield. Linebackers just, uh, you know, hammering down the backfield instead of getting out to where they need to be. But all in all, I like the offense. I think the defense, uh, they, they're going to get better. But I love the coaching staff, too. I mean, they're, they're, they're a great staff. They're going to get it together for us. We're, we're just going to have to I'm impressed you got notes. Uh, how, how many pages of notes do you have in front of you? Uh, uh, 13. <laughs> This is what I do. I coach football. I love it. I, I don't. I don't know what else to do in life. I start taking notes. Start a hey, quarterback quarter. You know, this is, I've been doing uh, coaching football for 26 years now. You where know? Where do you coach? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I'm back. I'm back on the west side right now. Oh, good. I've been on a coolie. We're doing some uh, different things over there. I've been all over San Francis, Farrington. You know, lower divisions, wherever. You know, just trying to help all the the youth get to the next level and. You know, just try to share whatever whatever knowledge you, you you learn from others. You know, every person that you coach with, you learn you learn things, and you can take it and help others learn the same thing. And and along the way, you know, you just want to learn from everybody. It's not like oh, I know everything. You just got to be an open book and just keep on learning. You know, uh, I, I love I love football to be honest with you. I, I like this coaching staff. This coaching staff will get us there. It takes a little while, but. I'm I'm glad I asked that question now because now we got to learn a little bit more about Alex, which is uh, which is good. I would have I would have never guessed that you were uh, a, a former coach and so or and or not former. I'm sorry, current coach. But uh, I would have never guessed that. And then as I as I hear you talking about your notes, I'm like you know this is this is really particular. Like this is really good. Um, you know, and and then the thirty some odd pages of notes. Like whoa, hold on a second. This is a little this is a little bit more than just a fan. Clearly. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's good when uh, it just helps me in life. I just like doing those kind of things. So, you know, but, you know, and 13 pages, one, three, not oh. 30, one, three. Not that many, no. It's 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 still plenty of pages. You know what? I I feel like the show's better for it because you called it and you dropped in some good stuff. So, uh, Alex, thank you for calling in, man. Appreciate it. Have a good day. That's pretty cool. Uh, 13. 13 probably feels like 31, but it depends how how small you write. Like if if you ha- if you're like a 12 point font guy, 13 will feel like 31. I was watching someone yesterday. Uh, where was I at? I was uh, I was doing PA announcing for a men's soccer uh, men's soccer game out in YPO, and I just happened to someone was in front of me writing notes, and maybe like a good 15 to 20 feet away. Now, he probably uses about 31 pages, but not because he writes in like 10 to 12 point font. He was like a couple of words were taking half a page. And then he'd have some smaller words, then would go to the next page. And then he wouldn't even fill up a page. He'd write some stuff, big words, little words, next page, big words, little words, next page. And I'm sure at that point, next to his iPad, he had about 31 pages. Um, 
but I, I I appreciate the attention to detail from Alex. That was uh, that was really really cool. Keep your thoughts coming in uh, at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. What good can you take away from a, a game like what we saw on Saturday between Michigan and and, and Hawaii? And, and Alex certainly found a few things. Uh, that he could build upon in, in what we were talking about. You can add to that as well as we go through the conversation. Time for our M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Moving Hawaii into the future, they are about to come out of the locker room at Lumen Field in Seattle. Second half to get underway shortly between the uh, Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. 17-13 Seahawks leading. That game is on our sister station, CBS 1500, and can be seen on ABC or on ESPN television. Major League Baseball, uh, Giants and Braves, no score. That's in the uh, top of the first inning. Bottom of the ninth, it looks like the uh, just-gone final. Toronto beats Tampa Bay 3-2. to two. Uh, Also, bottom of the first on a uh, uh, key game in the NL West. We know the Dodgers are going to the postseason. Now it's playing well from here on out. Dodgers and Arizona scoreless uh, going to the home half of the first. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, you know what's coming up next hour? We reveal our unofficial, superficial Mountain West power rankings that only this show can deliver. Uh, that's coming up at the top of the next hour. I uh, want to remind you, next week, Saturday, Hawaii is back on the road at New Mexico State. And uh, Arnold Martinez and I will see you for countdown to kickoff at Big City Diner, Windward Mall. Uh, that's part of our uh, Hawaii viewing parties on the road. The $7 uh, Mega Modelos on special. Great food from Big City Diner. Prize giveaways and so much more. Uh, thank you to Paradise Beverages, to Coca-Cola, Diotani Produce as well. And uh, Big City Diner for making it all happen. On the road next week, Saturday, with Hawaii and uh, New Mexico State. That's September uh, 24th. You can get in touch with us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And you can send us your tweets at Sports Animals, at Josh on the radio. One thing I was surprised by uh, is that I I thought at some point we would see other quarterbacks get into the game. Uh against Michigan, and we saw Joey Yellen basically stay in there the entire way. We knew Braden Shager was hurt, uh, but was cleared to play, and you didn't need to see him, and nor should you have, um, as as we talked about. To me, it didn't make a ton of sense to put him out there when he was um, as banged up as he was, so I thought it was the right call. But I, I also take into account what it means like if you're seeing Joey Yellen stay in the entire way in a game that is that out of reach what does it say to me what it says to me is that this coaching staff I think wanted to give him every opportunity to run an offense that can be consistent that can get some kind of flow that it was not about at that point Hey, um, we know the score. Let's just get other guys in there. That it was, uh, you know, these were teaching moments that were on the field in the third and fourth quarter. And that if you're going to have some of these moments for an offense that has sputtered through the first couple of weeks, then you need to have those moments with a quarterback on the field that is going to be needed and necessary. I mean, no offense to 
uh, to Farrell and, and Eden, and, and Cam and Cooper wasn't on the trip. No offense to them whatsoever, uh, but it is very clear that the starting quarterback job really does come down to two between Braden Shager and Joey Yellen. And the two deep came out today, and it is still very much an or uh, when it comes to those two. And if you're not going to consider the others, and you know you have an offense that really hasn't been moving, then that is what you need to do. You need to be able uh, to keep your quarterback uh, that that could very much factor in positively down the, down the road. You need him to play. You need him to get reps. Practice reps mean one thing. Um, game reps mean so much more. And I thought you actually did, regardless of whether you were going up against first string or second string or third string, whoever you were going up against in the back end, regardless of all of that, you could actually see the tempo that was building and the consistency that was starting to build as you were watching them continue on the field because you were seeing um, that group just, uh, again, kind of gel. So it was a, a, a great move, and it was showing long-term picture. That's what we've talked about. This is another one of those things that reminds you about the long-term view of this program, not just in one game, not just about $1.9 million, not not necessarily about all of that, but you know a lot more about even though the odds are not very good, it's about continuing to build the bigger picture forward uh, for where you want the program to be. Uh, and how you need to get ready for um, for postseason, or not postseason, but for uh, for conference play, and how you need to get ready for for Duquesne. So, all of that very important. Want to remind you, Monday night football at the Dixie Grill. Uh, it's on right now, and you'll have Monday night football all year long at the Dixie Grill. Which, by the way. Uh, includes 32-ounce Bud Lights for just 6 bucks, Complimentary popcorn and Southern-inspired football poo-poo plus Dixie Grill Trivia Night hosted by Geeks Who Drink from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, we're going to give away a $25 Dixie Grill gift certificate a little bit later on in the show, so stand by for that. Sports Center on the way next. This is ESPN Honolulu. Great to be with you. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Coming up a little bit later on, uh, we will get back to University of Hawaii football. And uh, we do have a $25 gift certificate to the Dixie Grill uh, that we're going to give away coming up in just a little while. Because Monday Night Football with that free popcorn, too, uh, at the Dixie Grill. Uh, make sure you check them out. All right. Uh, we're going to make this a habit that every Monday at 4, it is going to be our Mountain West Power Rankings. We started it last week. Let me uh, let me remind people briefly uh, what last week was like uh, because, trust me, what you saw last week is not what it's going to be this week, and I'll explain why in a second. Last week, we saw... New Mexico toward the bottom. In fact, New Mexico was the bottom. We saw 
Hawaii at number 11. We saw uh, Wyoming at number 10. That was your bottom three. Your bottom two didn't change. And no, I am not going to succumb to New Mexico, kind of hanging just a little bit with Boise State. And no, I'm not going to succumb to Hawaii losing by a lot to Michigan because I don't think you learn a whole lot uh, bigger picture. So, sorry, uh, my bottom three, which is where we will start, my bottom two uh, will not move. Bottom two being uh, New Mexico at 12 and Hawaii at 11. But at 10, we have a new number 10. And that is Colorado State. Uh, that is as surprising of a loss all weekend out of the Mountain West as I had seen. And this was not a great weekend for the Mountain West. Not even close. Um, Nevada losing to Incarnate Word, not great. Uh, Boise State not looking great, not great. Utah State losing at home to Weber State, not great. Um, This was a really tough week for the Mountain West. Uh, this is a week where the Sun Belts could have their big wins, you know, with Appalachian State winning and then come out later and put out a press release about how this was the best day in Sun Belt history because you had some Sun Belt teams putting up some wins with two wins over ranked teams. It was incredible. And yeah, the Sun Belt absolutely deserved to put out a press conference, or not a press conference, put out a press release and say, hey, Look at us. I'm also reminded um, by by Tanner Hayworth's tweet uh, on Saturday, uh, the Mountain West logo that says, we have peaked. <laughs> I I saw that while we were sitting there at Big City Diner in YPO, and I thought, oh, yeah, might have. So not a lot of change in my bottom three in the uh, in the Mountain West power rankings. Uh, just Colorado State moving down two spots from 8 to 10. But let me just explain New Mexico, Hawaii, and Wyoming. New Mexico at 12. Um, yes, they only lose to Boise State by 17. Only. That's more of a product of Boise State than it is against you know with, with New Mexico. New Mexico's bad. Um, offensively, bad. They had at one point, like, one play that got what like double the yardage of what they previously had on a on a touchdown uh but other than that it was watching that game was difficult i'm not going to get into what it was like on friday my eyes are still recovering in fact i'm still struggling i have a headache from that game my eyes are struggling i was tired my eyes i had to do soccer yesterday and my eyes were bothering me looking into the sun after seeing all that cherry red from those jerseys i feel like i've been in a state of stress since watching boise state in new mexico and i also realized it would be nobody's choice to watch it but it was like prep for me and i brought it upon myself so i have no one else to blame but myself. That being said, um, scoring seventeen on uh, scoring fourteen on Boise State really doesn't tell me anything. Um, Hawaii will, I, you know, the the game against Duquesne can tell us a lot about how Hawaii recovers from Michigan, 
and you know we'll we'll talk more later about offensive identity you know we saw a lot more balance but a lot more success on the ground is this what hawaii's team is uh, and that could tell me where I'm willing to put Hawaii after uh, playing an, an FCS team. And and honestly, Colorado State, that's that's inexcusable uh, to lose at home 34 to 19. We'll get to the uh, the the middle of the uh, of, of our power rankings in a moment. But trust me, the top three in our Mountain West power rankings took on a pretty nice size shakeup. And it's understandable. Why? Because Air Force looked good. And they looked good on national TV. And I had them at five. And I know some people last week said, hey, you you kind of dismissed the Falcons. And I didn't think I did. But I look up at the top four. And I see two losses in my top four. And I see Boise State, I, I see Air Force, who's put up 1,000 yards, basically, on the ground in two games. Which is their calling card. But I think they're doing it a little bit better than what their calling card would normally say they'd be doing. And I can't ignore it any longer. So my number one team in our Mountain West Power Rankings this week is Air Force. Um you know, the it was you, Tanner. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you credit, but I'm also giving my eye test credit. I know Colorado is not nearly near the top of the Pac-12, but you do that on, on a CBS against a power conference team, and you punish the heck of a power conference team on defense, uh, out of a power conference team on defense. I think you deserve to be in that number one spot. Um, Fresno State is going to drop a spot from one to two I'm not putting them any farther down than that, even though they lost. Yes, it was a loss at home. Yes, it was a loss to Oregon State. But you know where I'm putting this loss on? I'm putting this loss partially on Jeff Tedford at the end of the game. See, um, we got coaches out coaching each other. They were in that final play with, what, three seconds left? Oregon State had a chance to tie it with a field goal. They bring the field goal unit out. Fresno State's special teams unit comes out. Oregon State calls timeout. Oregon State brings out its offense, but not just its offense. Oregon State brought out its quarterback that is a pure, I mean, he is known for running the football. It's its almost like um, kind of telegraphing what they were going to do. So they, um, you know, they decide it wasn't going to be Chance Nolan. It was going to be Jack Coletto. We know Jack Coletto. Tanner reminds me. We saw him several years ago. We know who Jack Coletto is. He did not throw 14 of 27 passes for 219 yards and a touchdown in the entirety of the game. So Fresno State's defense calls a timeout. And Oregon State at that point says, you know what? We've done it. We're on the road. What the heck? What do we have to lose? We're staying on the field. We're keeping our offense out, and we're going to use Jack Coletto to try to win the game, you know, being down three. And what do they do? I used the word exotic last segment, not because I know anything about Joe Exotic, but just, you know, we think of trying to elevate what you do offensively. Nope. Run off the right side with your running quarterback to get into the end zone to win the game. 
it was kind of like, and I, you know, probably not fair to say, but it was kind of like a simple run off the right side where if you know who's on the field, you should kind of know he's not going to throw the ball with three seconds left. And he's not going to run like a, a, a single back formation handoff. If you've brought him in the game, there is a pretty good reason why you've brought him in the game. And that's for him to get the ball in the end zone. And it's very unlikely that you're bringing Jack Coletto on as a decoy with three seconds left. And sure enough, runs off the right side into the end zone and a walk-off win. So Fresno State gets penalized one spot, not more, because I'm putting that on Tedford. Uh, I'm not putting that on anybody else but coaching. Because, hey, they ran the football well. Hayner threw for 360. They did a lot of good things, but they just couldn't beat Oregon State. So Fresno State's at two. My number three team, uh, San Diego State, stays put at number three. I, I I know. You roll your eyes. I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not boosting you up after beating Idaho State. It was a 38 to 7 final. Um, you know, they got some good help on special teams. Offensively, they just poured it on in the second half. Idaho State didn't do anything. Uh, 38-7. to But word of the wise is when Hawaii goes to Snapdragon Stadium, there's already something we're, we're kind of learning about that venue. When you play during the day, it is going to be hot as heck. And there are already people complaining about playing during the day at Snapdragon Stadium that uh, they could use some canopies. They could use some shade. Um, it's, it's kind of funny to hear those complaints sometimes. Hey, sunshine, we don't like it. But it's not just, it's the heat of it. I'm being facetious. It's been warm across the country, kind of unseasonably warm. But uh, the athletic administration is already talking about spending some money on on, on stuff like canopies and, and stuff. But uh, they have another day game that was announced earlier today. Their next game is in uh, – well, not their next game. September 24th, they play against Toledo. That game got picked up on uh, by FS1, and it's like a, what, a 1 o'clock kick, I think it is. So, uh, yeah, people complaining about the sun. <laughs> Go figure. So that's your top three. Air Force, Fresno State, San Diego State. Um, but I will say the, uh, the the middle of the Mountain West, and I don't usually spend time on the middle just because no one cares about the middle unless Hawaii's in it, and Hawaii's not in the middle. Um, but the middle was just kind of weird. I mean, I give UNLV credit for losing to Cal, um, you know, in a, in a decently played game. Utah State should be embarrassed for how it lost against Weber State and how it lost to Weber State at home. San Jose State went from being kind of a, uh, you know, a surprise at home, barely getting by Portland State, to putting up a good showing on the road at Auburn. Uh, and and Chevin Cordero being gutsy and and, um, and and having a decent game. And then there's Boise, who I just, I, I can't, for the life of me, figure out. And I don't know that we will uh, this year because Boise State is as down as I've seen Boise State in a long time. So uh, that's your that's your Mountain West Power Rankings 
We invite you to uh, debate them with us. You can debate us at uh, 808-296-1420 via our Zephyr Insurance text line, or you can call us at 808-296-1420 in where you feel like we got it right, where we got it wrong, in the bottom three and our top three of our unofficial yet very much eye-test debatable Mountain West power rankings here on this program. Hey, uh, don't forget, Call the Coach is coming up on Wednesday. We'll have it for you at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lua Shopping Center as uh, we prepare for homecoming week, an opportunity for you to uh, converse with head coach Timmy Chang. John Venary will host, and the show comes to you at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lua Shopping Center at 6 p.m. Call the Coach also brought to you by HGEA, PAXA, Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, IBEW Local 1186, and by Hawaii Pacific Health. Let's check on traffic here. You're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu. We'll check on surf coming up in uh, just a little while. You're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Sports Center update in a few, which includes a uh, really tightly contested game in Seattle. Seahawks leading the Broncos 17-13. to uh, Some week one nuggets uh, that I'd take away coming up in a little while. Uh, quick reactions to our uh, Mountain West Power Rankings. The show's Mountain West Power Rankings in which we have... Air Force 1, Fresno State 2, San Diego State 3. And in the bottom three, New Mexico last, Hawaii 11, Colorado State 10. Tanner, I want you to ask me the question that you asked me um, during the break about, uh, I think it was Colorado State is uh, is who you asked about. And Colorado State, of course, uh, losing to Middle Tennessee State uh, at home. The question you asked me was what? Is Colorado State starting 0-3 this year? Emphatically, yes. Undoubtedly, that will be how Colorado State starts. And I I realize that there's turnaround there, but uh, it also sounded and, – and I you know what? I have to credit uh, Phil Steele because I believe when we talked with Phil Steele at Mountain West Media Days, he did bring that up, um, you know, paying attention to Colorado State – how many players left Colorado State, of course, with the, uh, the the turnaround in coaching as well. I am definitely worried about them losing at Washington State. Washington State, how's about Jake Diekert's program? Uh, you know, they've now kind of rid themselves of the Rolo era. Diekert goes in and uh, Washington State wins at nationally ranked Wisconsin. Um, that was huge. I don't know why. I don't know why I should feel this way. I am worried about Sacramento State beating Colorado State. Sacramento State's out of the big sky. I have this this strange sinking feeling in the back of my mind. Sacramento State last year, keep in mind, they went on a stretch last year of winning eight consecutive games. They lost to South Dakota State. I believe that was an FCS playoff game. 
And, you know, they put up 30 on Cal in a loss, so they could put up points. I think Sacramento State goes to Colorado State and upsets the Rams. So you're then looking at an 0-4 start potentially for Colorado State. I know. I, I haven't necessarily been great on my FCS picks so far. Um, but Sacramento State is not bad. By the way, uh, you just noted something too, Tanner, didn't you, on uh, who's there at uh, Sacramento State, who they have played, uh, which includes Utah Tech. Who is who is who is at Utah Tech? Remind the people. The Stutzman. That's right. Billy Ray and Craig are both coaching at what used to be called Dixie State, and uh, they got to be pretty good. Fifty-six to thirty-three to open the season. Utah Tech is the name of that school now. Thank you for the reminder. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. Hey, don't forget, Friday and Saturday nights, when all the games are done in high school football, we've got the scores for you uh, so you can keep track of your alma mater, uh, where your uh, your nephew plays. How do they do? It's our scoring live in ESPN Honolulu High School football scoreboard. It's all thanks to uh, BMW of Honolulu, Kid City, and Ron D. Solar Services. Check it out on our social media platforms when all the games are done on Friday and Saturday nights. We've still got that $25 Dixie Grill, uh, the Dixie Grill uh, gift certificate that we're going to give away coming up in just a little while. News and notes from NFL Week 1, which is wrapping up with a dandy right now between uh, the Seahawks and the Broncos here on Monday Night Football. But what do you take away from uh, the first, what, 15 games of the year? That's coming up after we take a look at Surf. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Week one thoughts from the National Football League as we wind it down. Coming up in a moment, you're listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of our hotline. Um, Before I get to that, question that came in via our Zephyr Insurance text line. I don't believe I am qualified to answer. I believe Tanner is. Here's why. Tanner correctly predicted... Uh, last week, that Incarnate Word, coached by former Hawaii assistant uh, G.J. Kinney, that Incarnate Word would beat Nevada. And Incarnate Word did indeed throttle Nevada. So, this texter from the 722, I don't want to steal thunder where thunder can't come from me. It's not cool. Who's better, Tanner? Weber State or Incarnate Word? This is this is where you get the hard hitting questions and the even harder hitting answers because they're hitting us. Can you even answer that? I I gotta go with Incarnate Word. I think <laughs> even though even though Weber State did shellac Utah State at home, thirty five yeah. to seven. It's still Utah State. Uh, Incarnate Word scored fifty five points. Yeah. And whether or not you want to say, oh well, Nevada was one of the top four transfer got, transfer teams in the Mountain West. There's still some studs on that defense. They still got guys like Dom Peterson on there. And 
to be fair, mm-hmm. Nevada had this almost locked up in the first quarter because Incarnate right. Word had two straight turnovers on their first two drives. Nevada only had a 17 at one point, uh, 17 points in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Should have been 21. Yeah. Maybe that helps momentum later on. But Incarnate Word just kind of did whatever they wanted. And there were at some points where I can't remember who it was. I think it was the quarterback ran this quarterback power. And it might be me a little bit biased because I remember G.J. Kinney for that one year for Hawaii. That's right. Kind of reminded me of like that wildcat run that Calvin Turner would run sometimes. Not as much as he did in 2021. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder of that. Ahem. But um, the ever predictable play calling with Calvin Turner taking a, 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 a run snap. up the middle. Yeah, but like that still GJ, every once in a while gives me nightmares. By yeah. the way, so I really did like a lot of what Incarnate Word was doing, other than the shirts that the coaches were wearing. That I was not going for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see much of the Weber State game because why would you? Uh, for, yeah, exactly, and also because the Incarnate Word game was on on TV. What? It was on TV? Yeah, it was on Bali SoCal. Wow, they cleared away space for that? Yeah, wow. they got they, yeah, they got it from the NSN, the Nevada Sports Oh, Net. that's so why. So they just that's rebroadcasted why. that. So, that's I was lo- so when I saw that on the television, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I think this is going to be the game I'm watching today. I'm sorry. I, I, I just totally lost interest in, in Incarnate Word once you uh, reminded me of the way Calvin Turner was used in 2021 offensively. Um, and, and I feel so bad for Calvin Turner. I didn't be- mean to give you PTSD. No, I, I, I know you didn't. But, man, um, Calvin Turner's draft stock, it's amazing how that all changed from 2020 to 2021. Not, and, and granted, I'm not going to blame it all on on an offensive play calling in a uh, wildcat formation because part of that was him drops and there were lots of drops. Yes. Um it might have been in his best interest if he left after 2020. Frankly, uh because his 2021 year while he did have some Houdini like plays um, I remember one of them at New Mexico State where it looked like he had a big loss and all of a sudden goes all the way around the other side of the field and scores a touchdown. And remember, he did it um, at home too, a, a game early on in the year where he did the exact same thing. He had a couple of those plays, and it was those magical types of Calvin Turner Jr. plays, and then it was drops. And then it was the the lack of not innovation. Innovation's not the right word. Um, the lack of creativity, the lack of um, being anything but bland when he's taking a snap. Like, I didn't think I'd get into this Calvin Turner rant now, but here I am. The dude used to play quarterback. And you have him in a, that, that's right, two years. Or, or, or say this. I was going to say, and they only. Gave him the ball to throw it there you go. twice. That's where you're going with the two. He used to play quarterback, and you did not make him a threat to pass the football when he had an opportunity to have the ball in his hands where he could do with his speed and athleticism literally anything. 
I'm not saying he should have been your quarterback, but I'm saying if you were going to have him in a package where he would be on the field, where Shevin Cordero was not taking a snap, or Braden Shager was not taking a snap, or anybody listed as a quarterback was taking a snap, at least make him a threat. Sometimes the player can't do it on his own. This is sometimes where coaching is so important. And I, I know you guys probably don't want to hear the Bo Graham stuff anymore. I'm not going to make this about the Bo Graham. I'm going to make this more about an entire offensive philosophy that was lost last year and the year prior, if you think about it, when you think about having an, an, an athlete like that. How do you not do it? How do you forget that there is this skill set that you could actually use? And I'm not saying that he should throw the ball 10 times a game. I'm not saying he should throw the ball once a game. Just mix it. I don't know. Or I don't know. How's about, how's about this idea? Because I hear everybody with the, uh, the shovel pass. How's about this idea? RPO. Out of the wildcat. How's about run to the right? You flip the ball forward. You know, do something creative with the guy, and they didn't. Just imagine how much more dynamic that offense could be, even in just the span of maybe five to ten plays a game. Just imagine that. And they failed. That's why, in a way, having this coaching staff offensively, even though it's still a work in progress, even though there is still, I think, an identity that is being sought and built, is such a breath of fresh air. There may not be a Calvin Turner Jr. on this roster, but at least I feel like there is a coaching staff that at some point, uh, as it continues to realize its own personnel, will realize what to do with its said personnel and won't, for lack of a better way of putting it, won't throw things away. Which is what I feel like had been done previously with a potential star caliber player, minus the drops, in Calvin Turner Jr. I, I did not expect to go on this rant. I'm not sorry for it. I've been harboring these feelings for the last year, and I needed the outlet to let it out, and then you just summoned it out of me. Do you feel better? No. <laughs> do we do we need to get to the part where there was backing into a bowl game and then not playing in a bowl game? Do we do we need to start unhashing other things? Uh, no, this is what sports radio is for. Sports radio sometimes is for making you feel worse. <laughs> and in the end, incarnate word I think is better than we just. <laughs> that's a that's a great way to put a bow on it. <laughs> See, that is the kind of hard-hitting analysis that you won't find anywhere else because just think about it. It was that hard to get that hard-hitting analysis in the first place. Uh, but through all of that, I mean, hey, congrats to G.J. Kinney. He got a job at Incarnate Word, got a win, and, uh, you know, for, for, for that matter, uh, a good win at that. I mean, if there's anything he does know, it's Nevada. Uh, for for the time that he he saw him here and uh, did a good job of game planning against him and putting up some points against the Nevada Wolf Pack, uh, we will get to the uh, NFL Week One headlines. Uh, we were supposed to get to it here, and then Calvin Turner Jr. somehow came up 
and uh, all heck broke loose on this show. Uh, so we'll do that coming up in a little while. Right now, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Big possession here for the Denver Broncos at Lumen Field. It is uh, 17-13, Seahawks leading Denver, 6:21 to go in the fourth quarter. But why I say this is a pretty interesting situation is that you've got uh, a Broncos offense that uh, I'm not I'm not going to take it out on the Broncos offense. I'm going to take it out on the uh, on the Seattle defense and give Seattle's defense the credit it deserves. Yes, Russell Wilson is thrown for 315, but it's probably the least effective 315 yards I have seen in a Russell Wilson type of effort. Seattle's defense has given good pressure. Uh, they're in a goal line situation, and Russell Wilson's had, what, three different passes that he has not been able to complete toward the sidelines or the back of the end zone. And uh, they've put Denver now in a position where they're choosing to kick a field goal instead of uh, going for a touchdown to take the lead on a fourth and goal. So it's a, a really good defensive game here. Seattle leading Denver 17-13, to 621 remaining in the fourth quarter. You can hear that game on our sister station, CBS 1500. You can also watch it on ESPN television. It is also on ABC. Uh, Major League Baseball, top three in San Francisco. Giants leading Atlanta 2 to nothing. They're going to the fifth in Arizona. Scoreless between the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. Let's check on traffic here. You're listening to the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. So I was listening to the uh, Bobby Curran show this morning, and I heard that uh, this idiot radio host here got a shout-out from uh, one of our texters. Actually, two. One, uh, how those mighty Packers after the loss to Minnesota, which, by the way, I never came into this year saying that the Packers were mighty. They're not. Aaron Rodgers is, well, you know. Aaron's in his own head. Aaron's going to doom that team. And guys dropping passes will doom that team too. Never said they were mighty, but disappointed about the loss to uh, uh, to Minnesota. But I saw the text message about someone holding, holding my words back to 2019. But you know what? More power to those going back to my words from 2019. Shows that they did their homework. I'm, I'm, in, uh, I'm impressed. Texter said, in December, in December 2019, I shared that Marcus Mariota would be joining the Raiders. Josh said, mark my words, Marcus Mariota will never start another NFL game in his career. So, Josh, how do you like them apples? Um, my answer is Granny Smith. Um, I really like the, the, the apples with the green skin. The red ones sometimes just don't have uh, don't have enough flavor, so uh, I'm I'm a Granny Smith apple guy all the way. Also, not because my favorite uh, NFL team's colors are green. So um, yeah, crusty Sam, crust is important. The, uh, the 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 red apple crust just doesn't do it for me. You know, sometimes I am very happy with being wrong. If you want to put that in my ever-growing freezing cold takes reel, uh, you can go ahead and do that. I'm just glad that you remember 
It's back from December 2019. Man, um, I hope that that text was sitting in your drafts back in December 2019. You know, the the rarely ever used drafts folder in your phone's uh, messaging inbox. that You can just keep something there. And then when you're ready to send it, just grab it from your drafts and just press send. Um, you know, I stand by what I said back in December of 2019 because at the time, look, his trajectory was not good. And, um, you know, him going to, to the Raiders, he was not very much, he was not used all that often. And, you know, he had, he had a, a couple package plays here and there. I think he had what one start. I think it was, I mean, there wasn't a lot to take out of, uh, you know, his time with the Raiders, except for patience and um, in, in, in what is credit to him, he took advantage of the opportunities that were in front of him and made the most of them, which not everybody, you know, does very well. So, you know, he earned the opportunity to go to Atlanta. He's a starter there. I'm not entirely convinced that he's going to start every game this season. But you know what? If he plays all right and at least gives his team an opportunity to win and stays healthy, he'll have a great chance to do it. And I'm generally happy for him because I want him to hold on to this starting job that he's got right now. I think they do want to see Desmond Ritter at some point. That's why they drafted him. Um, it's also why Marcus Mariota is probably one of the cheapest starting quarterbacks in the National Football League because there is no commitment to him um as a starter so um i like my granny smith apples but also you know i can be happy for someone be wrong at the same time because he's starting a game in his nfl career and i hope that uh i i hope that his team and he can get some key wins yesterday's loss was tough for the falcons that was tough uh, a great opportunity at home, and I'm not putting it on Marcus. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but a great opportunity at home that you can't squander in that division. Uh, that division is as tight as it's going to be because, honestly, I don't know that the Bucks are a 12-win team. I think that division, uh, especially in the wild card department, uh, I think you could see two teams out of the wild card, out of the NFC South. Um, and, and I think Atlanta will compete for it. You've, ju- you've got to take care of divisional games at home. And, uh, and, and and that's what they did not do. You can text us at 808-296-1420. We're talking about week one in the National Football League. Jeff texts in. Oh, oh, poor Jeff. Poor, poor Jeff. Cowboys fan taking sharp objects away. Walk me off the ledge. Jeff... You'll need the sharp objects because you might be doing the surgery on Dak Prescott. So keep those around um, because at any given point in time, Dak might be calling on you to do an operation. Um, look, that was hard. And you may not see Dak until November. And after watching uh, the Eagles on Sunday, after watching the Giants... Get a win. The 1-0 New York Giants. It has been years since we've been able to say those words. The 1-0 
New York Giants. Words rarely ever spoken. I mean, look at that NFC East. Everybody with a win. Except for Dallas. And for now, Dallas is going to be relying on Cooper Rush. Um, Usually I say, hang in there. The NFC East will come down to size that this is, you know, everybody else winning and you losing is just kind of an anomaly. So just be patient. But how can you be patient when you're starting quarterback? As I heard Adam Schefter say earlier on Countdown, um, likely be out till after the bye week back in November. More likely on the eight-week side instead of the six-week side on the injury. And that it's not just any injury. It is your throwing hand that you are having surgery on. That is not any old generic injury. And that is incredibly worrisome. When fans believe in in Dallas that their season is lost, I kind of tend to believe them. Because, uh, you know, you, you can't feel good about losing your starting quarterback for half your year one week in. Now, I keep hearing people throw out the idea, oh, maybe you could trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember, Jimmy Garoppolo has a no-trade clause. And I don't know that the San Francisco 49ers would try to renegotiate their contract after just renegotiating their contract to let them out unless the Dallas Cowboys are going to go in and say, hey, we can offer a whole bunch of things if you just renegotiate that no trade so Jimmy Garoppolo can be there. And if I were Jimmy Garoppolo, I wouldn't even want to go to Dallas. You're already a backup. And you already know that um, just by... Going to Dallas, you are a short-term solution with no long-term standing. Not a good idea. I would not renegotiate that contract if I were Jimmy Garoppolo. I'd be paid $6 million just to stay there and sit because it's not like Trey Lance looked great after week one. So I'd just kind of hang out and uh, and and hang around. But yeah, um, you should feel like your season took a sharp nosedive one game in because it did. Uh, And it's not because of the Commanders winning over the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's because I actually kind of enjoyed what Philly did. I don't know that the Giants have whatever it is long-term, but I at least know I enjoyed Philly. And uh, Jalen Hurts is incredible toughness. And there are a lot of defenses trying to take shots at Jalen Hurts. And he keeps popping back up. And I see a pretty good year out of him. He took another kind of dirty shot. Uh, he took one in the preseason, took one again yesterday. Good to see his team stick up for him. Um, guy is has got some incredible toughness, and his team plays for him. And that's uh, that's pretty pretty fun to watch early on for him. Uh, Sports Center coming up. We're watching things in crunch time in Monday Night Football. We'll update that game for you coming up in just a little bit. Thursday, we're going to be at Growler Hawaii for the really big road show. We will see you there with guests like Zeke Lau and Laura Beeman and uh, so many more, uh, plus 94 brews on tap. That's at Kapahulu. Uh, Growler Hawaii for the really big road show. Make sure you check us out there. Uh, that is Thursday. Gary Dickman, Kanoa he and I will see you right here on ESPN Honolulu Sports Center. One more hour to go. That is coming up next. 
we're sitting at the intersection right now of watching a good National Football League game and uh, paying attention to your fantasy team, which we know never, ever leads to anything sane. And that's where I'm currently sitting right now as uh, they got 113 to go in the fourth quarter. Seahawks leading the Broncos 17-16. Here's my predicament. I'm sure some of you might be able to relate this coming as someone who has never won a fantasy football league and uh, missed the playoffs last year by uh, just a couple points. Here's my uh, scenario right now in our ESPN Honolulu Fantasy Football League. I'm up five. I have a 99% win probability. My opponent is Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy today has four catches for a buck oh two and a touchdown. And the Denver Broncos are driving with under two minutes to go. Um, and a touchdown basically puts it away as my opponent has a one percent win probability. Uh, but we're watching Russell Wilson trying to do what Russell Wilson has done previously in his career, and that is engineer comebacks. And he's been put in that situation again uh, with his team with three timeouts, with plenty of time, and uh, a, a one-point deficit. I, I've got to say on Russell Wilson, as we, we watch him put this drive together, you know, the quietest 331 yards um, that he has thrown for and a touchdown – uh, but he's got a very good defense. And, you know, the MVP of this team, as much as Russell Wilson is getting paid, the MVP of this team uh, may not necessarily be on Russell Wilson, uh, but it might be that defense. Uh, and, uh, and how they give an offense like this one opportunities to, uh, to, to win games. So we're we're watching this pretty closely. Uh, the 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 big storyline, obviously, coming into this game was Russell Wilson's return uh, to Seattle. And for those of you that missed it, Russell Wilson was, I he was booed. He was um, politely booed. I don't want to say it was, you know, full fledged raining down boos. Like during warmups, it was about seventy thirty. Came out prior to the game. I I don't. I didn't hear a lot of boos when I was uh, when I was listening in, um, but it was kind of the "we appreciate you, but" kind of boos that uh, that they rained down, and I was I was surprised. I was also reminded in that I was reminded as to why Seattle fans are as good as they are. Seattle fans are as are as good as they are because they understand. Um, they're not like blind sheep kind of fans. Like they understand what's going on. They're not dumb, um, and they know when someone wants to be there. They know when someone doesn't. And um, you know they know. Russell Wilson wanted a a fresh new start. Russell Wilson wanted to be somewhere where he was appreciated. They knew all of those things, and they were, I think they kind of let them know in in, in their polite booze. They, they kind of told them, hey, we, we appreciate you, but 
We know you didn't want to be here. And, uh, you know, in, in, in watching that, um, I, I thought it actually showed greater respect for Russell Wilson by booing him the way that they did rather than, you know, kind of like the fake polite cheers. By the way, in that game, uh, Broncos just tried to kick a long field goal. It looked like a timeout was called by Seattle. There's 20 seconds left. I am actually really questioning what the Broncos have done here. Um, they ran the clock down. They ran off about like 40 seconds. And they've got their kicker, McManus, kicking a 64-yarder with 20 seconds remaining um, to try to take the lead. And uh, McManus's kick is no good. Um uh, Here's why I question what the Broncos just did there. See, Denver had three timeouts. And they ran a play. They ran a pass to the left side. I think it was like a safety valve option for for Wilson. He threw it out to the flat to the left. And the running back did not get out of bounds. He stayed in bounds. He got a, a, a little more yardage. But, again, was in bounds. And so there's about 50, I think it was like 51 ticks at that point, if I if, if my memory served me correctly. And they didn't use any of their timeouts. They had three. They had a full complement of timeouts and decided to keep them in their back pocket. And Russell Wilson's coming out, and it looks like they're going to run a play, and the play clock is winding down, and you realize at that point, oh, well, they're not going to run a play. And I realize something right now. I'm watching Denver's coach. Did he just make an indication that he thought his team had three timeouts? I think I, I think he did. Anyway, because uh, because the, the the ticker's showing two, and now we got a little bit of controversy here because Denver thought it had three timeouts, and. Uh, Apparently now their coach is questioning whether they got three timeouts. So I'll, I'll go back to that because this is all meaningful in the situation here. So play clock's winding down and Denver uses a timeout with, well, I think it was 11 seconds at the time. They let about 40 seconds go off the clock to call a timeout to bring on their kicker for a 64-yard field goal. And you decided in that moment that you were going to trust kicking a 64-yarder outdoors at Lumen Field over all-pro Russell Wilson on a fourth and five with three timeouts. Like, honestly, you know what I would have done? Because 64 yards outdoors is not easy. What they should have done, fourth and five, you're in opposing territory. You should have had a play call in the back of your head. And um, you should have a play call in the, in, your, in the back of your mind. I don't know why their coach is, Coach Hackett's still questioning timeouts. He's still talking to the officials like he's questioning the amount of timeouts. Um, and you get to the line quickly and you run a fourth and five play. And 
if for whatever reason you don't get it, then you know what you've got? you got three timeouts, and your defense has been playing well. You trust your defense to get you three stops and get the ball back. And they didn't do that. So Denver, I don't know what it was thinking there in the last minute, but Denver blew that. They decided, hey, we made this this big deal to get Russell Wilson. We just signed Russell Wilson to a contract extension. We've made him our franchise quarterback. We've done all of those things. And then on fourth and five in opposing territory, down one with 50-some-odd seconds left, we're going to let him run out the clock to kick a 64-yard field goal. What? I have no idea what their coach is thinking. And oh, by the way, called a couple of timeouts here toward the end where it didn't really matter because you're you're not going to go home with them. And I I I'm was I not seeing that correctly? I mean, you had the volume on on the uh, the the ESPN broadcast uh, there with uh, with Joe and Troy. What was I reading correctly? Um, Coach Hackett. Coach Nathaniel Hackett questioning timeouts. Did I, I? I'm reading lips. I'm reading sign language here. I don't have the audio in the room. You're listening to it. Was I reading that correctly? Look, I gotta be real. I have no idea because that would make sense. Why would he think he has three timeouts when Russ called a Thank timeout? You. Right. And right. Even if there were 15 seconds left and you called three timeouts, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? That's just. I feel like I was watching Mike McCarthy out there. <laughs> sorry, sorry to sorry, our Cowboys sorry, fans. Sorry, Jeff. Jeff. Sorry, I don't mean Jeff. To, I don't mean to say it. Because right now, in my mind, Mike McCarthy is the first guy that comes to my head because he's like has terrible clock management. Yeah, but this wasn't even a but clock management like, problem. This was a timeout management problem. This is a timeout management problem. This is a clock management problem. This is a play calling problem because this entire game, Denver did nothing once they got onto the goal line. Mm-hmm. They couldn't figure out how to get the ball across the goal line. And look, this is not to say that I'm not trying to rag on the Seahawks defense here, but this is a Seahawks defense that is far, far from the Legion of Boom that they used to be. Right. But is this Seahawks defense going to be holding really consistently all year long, going to be holding all pro running uh, quarterbacks, one of the best running back duos of the league, a healthy, large troop of tight ends and wide receivers and a solid offensive line to 16 points. Yeah. How that this loss is got to be on Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, absolutely. And I bet a lot of people right now are saying, who? <laughs> That's right. That's because right. Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hack, for those that don't know Nathaniel Hackett's the head coach of the Denver Broncos. I like you could probably go up to someone in Denver and say, <laughs> Who's your head coach? And they could probably say, Was it that like Hackett guy? And be like, Okay, could you confidently tell me where he came from? <laughs> right. They'd probably say, Oh, he was probably what, like the offensive coordinator at with, with, the Bron- with the Broncos? <laughs> Which you'd have to be like, wasn't he just the quarterback's coach? Yeah, that that in the booth. So he had no on-field experience before then. He might have had some, but not with Green Bay. Right. That's look, and I'm gonna say it because I tweeted this out. Hackett 
Can't hack it, man. You already tweeted this out? Is this yeah. what you're doing hack the it, show? Can't hack it, man. Yeah, I, uh, you know, granted, and this is this is why I brought you in, Tanner, because you have the sound on in the control room. I have the sound off because we, you know, obviously we're on we're on the radio right now, and I'm trying to get a little bit of perspective on what's going on, and it just it's mortifying to me, and it should be mortifying to you if you are a Denver Broncos fan in this moment that your head coach could not manage. And this is this is worse than Mike McCarthy management. Mike McCarthy, I feel confident, could know how many timeouts his team has and when he may and when they use them. It's clear that Mike McCarthy doesn't know a clock. Um, I mean, that's that's obvious. It's painfully obvious. Um, but I at least feel like he could understand three timeouts. Huh? How did we have them? And how did we use any of them? Did you not see your quarterback call a timeout with 11 seconds left on the field? Do you not know how the clock stopped to get your field goal unit on the field to kick a 64-yarder? And if you don't know what you were doing in that moment, then what were you doing? Because if you were going and talking to a position group, if you were talking to your coordinators, I don't know what you were doing. With under a minute to go, don't. Or if you are, don't look at them. You need to be looking at a scoreboard near you with a clock, with a timeout chart, and with what the score is. This is like we tell play-by-play people. You know, time and score, time and score, time and score. We, we, we bludgeon play-by-play people to death with time and score because that's what they're supposed to do. Yet here... A head coach has to know time and score and timeouts and down and distance. This is, like, number one in your job. Two minutes to go. This is what a head coach has to do. And Nathaniel Hackett failed. He failed miserably. It's unacceptable. And how he is questioning referees about how many timeouts he has when they already used one. You don't get four. You don't get a timeout back if you miss a field goal. You don't get credit for anything. There are no rebates and refunds and takebacks. You're not going back to Ross to exchange a product. No. You use a timeout. You don't get it back. What is? What were you doing with 11 seconds left? What was wrong with him? And then on top of that, you know how you instantly lose respect from any other coaches? When there's no possible way of you getting the ball back and they just kneel out the game, yeah, call all your timeouts. That's such an amateur see, move. See, see how all these coaches are going to be talking now next week and the week after that, week after that. We might have another like Urban Meyer situation here mm-hmm. up in Denver because imagine as a head coach going up to your all-pro quarterback being like, hey, man, I can't trust you to get five yards, so mm-hmm. we're going to kick a 64-yard field goal. Are you you're go- and you're gonna be fine with it? So yeah, uh, call that timeout. Get out of here. We're gonna we're gonna go miss this field goal twice. I really believe Nathaniel Hackett was calling those timeouts because he literally thought up until the very last one because he was still arguing with the referees after he used the second one. He literally thought he had three, and was hoping I think the referees would give him one back. Like they're dumb, and they're not. They were not gonna give him one back. Because they know he used that they used one prior. This was um, this was abominable, 
Um, head coaching in the National Football League should be better. And uh, if I'm Russell Wilson, man, I, I look back at my day today. Uh, you throw for 340 yards. You're driving. Granted, you're going up against a defense that was honestly fairly good against uh, uh, against Denver. You know, but Russell Wilson gets sacked twice. He throws for 330. They're driving, and I see you guys on the phones. We'll get to you in just a moment at 808-296-1420. I see all that, and you're in there with practically a young head coach, and you're not given a chance on fourth and five in Seattle with under a minute to go. Like, if I'm Russell Wilson, and I know I saw him moments ago signing a jersey. Uh, they were doing a jersey swap with DK Metcalf. But if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm seething. You wanted to go into Seattle and win. And instead, that opportunity was taken away from you. Like, I'm livid if I'm Russell Wilson in that locker room. I'm also livid because he came in there wearing the snazziest suit and bow tie possible that probably was worth about one game check of his. Walked in there with that and lost. That probably didn't feel good either. Uh, let's say hi to Mike. Mike, welcome into the program. How are you? Hey, Josh. The Seattle broadcasters were saying that uh, Hackett was uh, complaining that um, Seattle had 12 men on the field on that, on that uh, last field goal attempt. Well, <laughs> you know what? When you don't get that call, and I don't know, um, television didn't show it, and television, you know, if, if television didn't show it, and um, you know, if, if television saw it, I think they would have pointed it out. Yeah. You know, at, at at some point when that play is done, then you got to stop arguing, and you right. you got you to get out of your element, and you got to coach. And yeah, he Russ, didn't. Russ deserves blame. Now you can't get down there in that goal line and not score touchdowns. I mean, he was lucky to get one back. That, that uh, Seattle kid should have intercepted him in the end zone in the first half. So I thought Wilson was okay, but not great. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I, I I think yeah. that's fair. But still, fourth and five, um, you got to keep the ball in his hands. And, um, right, and I'm that, with you. I'm with you. That, that he, didn't happen. Was, how close was that field goal? I'm driving. I said it was pretty close. I didn't think it was that close. It was it was slightly oh. wide left and probably a couple yards short. Oh, really? I, oh, yeah, I mean, the broadcast was saying that it had had the length. No, I don't think that. Had, I mean, I, again, I, I didn't see a great angle, but it right. it didn't look as close as maybe it it, it would have seemed. Yeah, I'm with you. Sixty four is a little far outdoors. Just a little yeah. bit. Hey, Mike, thanks for calling. Got to hit a break here. Traffic coming up. We'll get, I uh, see you guys on the phones. We'll get to you coming up next. This is ESPN Honolulu right now. I'll link your traffic. Hey, don't forget, coming up on Wednesday, it is the Rivals Fantasy Football Show here on ESPN Honolulu. It is presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. You could win some cool stuff. Uh, you could get some great fantasy advice. I'm 1-0 this week in our ESPN Honolulu Fantasy Football League. Thanks, Nathaniel Hackett, for that uh, in a weird way. <laughs> That's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. Wednesday mornings with Chris and Gary at 8 on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We'll go back to the texts and uh, to the phones. We'll go in a moment. Sports Center on the way right now. We'll look at traffic. This is ESPN Honolulu. 
Oh, what a fun last 30 minutes we've had. Well, less than that. Uh, depends on when you've started getting mad <laughs> at, uh, at the Denver Broncos. Depending on when that was is when you probably started getting, uh, getting to erupt just a little bit. Uh, with Monday Night Football wrapping up, you just heard Kevin Winter uh, mention the beginning and mention the end of the uh, Broncos-Seahawks game on Monday Night Football. Uh, the highlighted moment. This is um, the win probability ca uh, calculator from Football Outsiders. Check this out. The end of the game in which the Denver Broncos tried to, uh, instead of going for a fourth down, where the Denver Broncos decided to kick a 64-yard field goal. Win probability from football outsiders. Passing play on fourth and five, 36.1% win probability. 64-yard field goal, 7.4% win probability. That is what the Denver Broncos decided to do. They decided to play the worst possible win probability. Well, I guess no. I, I guess on fourth and five, it would have been worse to run it. But they decided to go for a 7% chance of succession with under a minute to go, with literally winding down the clock to, what, 11 seconds to go? And that happened. Um... I, I I have no words, no words whatsoever for what they decided to do today. I don't understand it, uh, but the Denver Broncos are 0-1, and it is predictably, uh, this is, for, for that division, the Chargers are going to be improved, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to compete, and then the Kansas City Chiefs are the Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to be one of the better divisions in football, the AFC West. And I had said at one point that I kind of felt like the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson may not even be the best quarterback in that division. You know, obviously with Mahomes and an improved Herbert and uh, Carr in, in Vegas, I mean, Russell Wilson might be the third best quarterback in that division, but I can tell you something very clearly right now. Nathaniel Hackett is the worst head coach in that division. And it's not even close. And it, 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 is, uh, it is disappointing to see a good Monday night football game end up like that. So the Zephyr Insurance text line. Texter from the 221. 40 to $50 million plus quarterback versus what? A $5 million kicker? Put it on the hands of the QB. What are you paying him for? Yeah, it's not just the trade to get him. It's the post money after that in which, um, you know, they, they decided that they were, you know, going to, make him their franchise quarterback. And and then that's, I don't get it. 
this is how it sounded on Monday Night Football with Joe and Troy. From 64, McManus missed it. And the Seahawks are going to win this game. That was uh, courtesy of ESPN and ABC. Uh, missed it. Slightly wide left. It looked a little short, too. And, uh, again, 64 yards. <sighs> there are uh, there are just some things that you, you look back today and you say, man, how will this what, – what will this tell us in week 18? Russell Wilson – can carry your offense. But if you have a coach that's not worth squat, Russell Wilson can do everything possible. But if he can't get it right, it doesn't matter. If the, if, if Nathaniel Hackett can't hack it down the stretch, it don't matter. They will, they will miss the playoffs. They will miss the playoffs because of their head coach. Now, I'm noticing that there is going to be some audio at some point from Nathaniel Hackett. He is uh, uh, he was at the podium a little while ago, and uh, I know they're going to talk about uh, time management toward the end. I, I think you noted something, Tanner. You're listening into something. Well, I was going to say this. So back when it was 17-13 and it was fourth and goal at like the eight-yard line, somewhere around there, this reminds me of two years ago with the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm where instead of going for it on fourth and goal, they kick a field goal and hope that they can do something afterwards. Right. In a situation like this, instead of having to hope for that 64-yard field goal, two field goals in a row, why not go for it when it's fourth and goal and then you pin the Seahawks within the five? Yeah. It paid, there's, I, so there's multiple places where Hackett could have made a better decision. I'm watching... Um... Uh, video of the uh, Peyton and Eli broadcast of uh, Monday Night Football on ESPN2 and on and on ESPN+. And as soon as the third down play ended, Peyton Manning is on television and he's saying, timeout, 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 timeout. He's literally putting his hands together trying to call a timeout for every second of that broadcast up to the point where they finally called timeout with 20 seconds left. And Peyton's got his head behind his hands. Like, what is going on? There were 55 seconds on the clock. 33 on the play clock at that point in time. And Peyton Manning is still calling for time, still calling for time. 35 seconds later, finally got it. Uh, everybody else knew it. I don't know. I, to me, again, it didn't have to be a timeout. It could have been get to the line, run a quick fourth and five play, hold on to your timeouts. Now you've got three to trust your defense with. It could have been that. Or use the timeout, trust Russell Wilson. Uh, we're, we're, we'll get you uh, Nathaniel Hackett audio as, uh, as, as soon as we're able to get it. But uh, man, man, oh man, oh man. Uh, that is going to be a well-talked-about week one storyline here uh, for a long time. Pete Carroll just moments ago saying, and I quote, I was surprised they took Russ out there at the end, close quote. 
So even Pete Carroll is questioning the opposing coach. All right, um, week one in the NFL, and, and I'll, we'll, we'll transcribe Nathaniel Hackett in a little bit. In fact, we'll probably save that for the final segment now that that's you know, become a thing here on this Monday afternoon. Week one of the NFL, takeaways from, uh, from watching week one. I'll, I'll save you Dallas Cowboys fans the grief because you're feeling a lot of it. I'm not going to make it worse for you. It was a, it was a tough Sunday for you. But, uh, but, you know, there was a lot more to this, uh, uh, to this week one than just a Dak Prescott injury. I think uh, three storylines that I, I take away. A, for the love of everything good, get rid of the ties. We're done with ties. We almost had two. Thankfully, it was only one. Although, if there would be a game that deserved a tie, Colts and Texans is a great candidate for it. Um, but the Texans blow a double-digit lead. Colts score 17 in the fourth quarter. Uh, uh, ties. Can live without them. This ain't old-school hockey. They even got rid of ties. If hockey can get rid of ties for a shootout, then the NFL can do better. We can do better. Um, and thankfully... Uh, special teams did show up in that Steelers-Bengals game to get us out of a potential tie uh, between those two AFC North rivals, uh, Pittsburgh winning, because, you know, kicking was a mess, and we had a backup tight end as a long snapper because the original long snapper was hurt in Cincinnati, and that led to some chaos there. Um, but outside of that, I think the, you know, the other two things that I take away from week one outside of what we saw today, A, we got to pay really, really close attention to the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, there is no excuse to sleep on this team. Uh, I will call out the Los Angeles Times for one of the headlines that they had about Justin Herbert, though. Justin Herbert's only, what, his, his, his second year in the league? This headline, or at least this um, uh description in their piece from uh, from one of their writers. Justin Herbert continues to show why he's the best quarterback in L.A., maybe even the NFL. Yeah. Um, in fact, it continues here. Justin Herbert, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, is the reason why the Chargers have a chance at making the Super Bowl this season. You know, there is something to be said for Homer stories. And I don't expect Homer stories from the LA Times. But it was a column from Dylan Hernandez. I expect better from Dylan Hernandez. Justin Herbert's not even the best QB in his own division. Have you ever heard, I don't know, um, some guy kind of famous, just got inducted into the uh, Texas Tech Hall of Fame, you know, there's this this just young, unknown somebody named Patrick Mahomes. And you're telling me that Justin Herbert's arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. He's very, very good. His trajectory is, is, is off the charts. Right now, he is not even a top three quarterback in the National Football League. He is not even the second best quarterback in his own division. I'm still putting Derek Carr ahead of him. And you know what? Right now, I don't even know if I'd put 
Russell Wilson behind him. You could make the argument Justin Herbert, just by being in as tough division he is, is the worst quarterback in his division. I mean, this can get to silly season here where you go, Mahomes, I've got Mahomes, Carr, Wilson, Herbert. And it's not a slight to any of the four wherever they're placed. It is just a great division of great quarterbacks. But you cannot talk about arguably the best quarterback in the NFL when that's your division. And I still haven't mentioned the words Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Any of them. Oh, some guy you may have heard of. Um, Josh Allen. Did we not watch him on Thursday? Oh, he was in L.A. Dylan Hernandez. It's pathetic column. Pathetic. That is that is Homer column writing at its best or worst, depending. But he's good. I don't I don't want to take away from Justin Herbert. He's very, very, very good. And they're not going to a Super Bowl. Stop that now. Not this year, maybe not next year, as long as the Chiefs are still what they are in that division. But they'll make the playoffs. He'll get them there. He'll get some key wins. He'll be a franchise QB. But you don't have to make it any bigger than it already is. Let the kid grow instead of slapping this arguably best quarterback in the NFL label. That's ridiculous. You've just stunted the kid before he's even had a chance. And, uh, and, and my other kind of final takeaway from week one in the National Football League is, um, you know, I, I, I have to look at the Green Bay Packers losing in Minnesota. I partially say that because that's my team. I also say that because the Packers scored seven points. I don't, it's not about what Minnesota did to Green Bay. It's what Green Bay did to Green Bay. Shut out in the first half for the first time in years. A QBR for Aaron Rodgers of, what, 16.1 with four sacks. I get it. He misses some big targets, and I also get it. There were some drops along the way, too. But my goodness, seven points. It's not like Minnesota is supposed to scare you. They, they shouldn't. They haven't scared anybody in a long time. If there's any team that you should feel disappointed by, regardless of how you feel about them as a fan, for the performance that they laid on top of you in week one in the National Football League, that's the performance. That Green Bay performance is one that uh, is just abysmal and is not something that we are accustomed to with a quarterback it's not all on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they they allowed Dalvin Cook to run it up on him, and Justin Jefferson had an amazing day. But that offense has to do more than seven points. That's what Green Bay is known for. Green Bay hasn't been really known for um, all pro defense in a long time, uh, but the offense has usually done a lot of the work. That was um, that was nothing, and uh, and and that's a stunner that comes from uh, from Minnesota over the weekend. All right, uh, we'll close it out coming up next. But first, uh, we've got to give away. Uh, from Dixie Grill, a $25 Dixie Grill gift certificate because Monday Night Football with the sound all the way up to listen to Joe and Troy at Dixie Grill. So uh, make sure you check them out. Uh, call up right now, 808-296-1420. We'll give away the uh, the Dixie Grill 
prize pack on, uh, not the prize pack, the uh, gift certificate. We'll do that on the other side of this. Traffic right now, this is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Hey, don't forget, after every Friday and Saturday night of high school football, you can get our uh, high school football scoreboard with Scoring Live at ESPN Honolulu. It's on our social media platforms, and it's brought to you by BMW of Honolulu. Rondi Solar Services in Kids City uh, every Friday and Saturday night after all the games are done. Uh, got the Brotherhood Pride, Tradition, and Excellence coming up in just uh, about, about nine minutes. Uh, but we're giving away a $25 gift certificate to the Dixie Grill where they show Monday Night Football. They've got the sound all the way up, so you can listen to Joe and Troy, and you can enjoy uh, lots of great food. Joey's calling in because he wants to win. Joey, what's up? Hey, yeah, calling in. Uh, did I win? Well, not yet. Uh, you've oh, got okay. to answer this first. Um, you know, usually okay. we try to keep things on a, on a really upscale note, but, man, uh, that, that Seahawks game brought us down, so my question is as such. Uh, name me the division in which none of the four teams in the division got a win this weekend. Ooh. Uh, the AFC South. That is correct. Texans tied, yeah. Colts tied, Jags and Titans lose. And for uh, for knowing the futility of that division in week one, uh, you're going to score $25 to the Dixie Grill in IA. Check them out. All right. Sure will. Awesome. Thank you for listening, Joey. We're going to get your info here in a moment. Of course, you can use that for Monday Night Football and Trivia Night every Monday. Trivia Night's coming up at 7. It's hosted by Geeks Who Drink. And then uh, during the Monday Night Games, remember, there are two next week, two Monday Night Football games. 32-ounce Bud Lights for just 6 bucks. Complimentary popcorn and Southern-inspired football poo-poo. That's at the Dixie Grill in IAEA. Check them out uh, Monday nights all year long for Monday Night Football there. Scott texts in, Damn, Josh, sounds like you didn't get Justin Herbert in your draft. No, I didn't get Justin Herbert in my draft, and uh, I didn't try. I wasn't, I mean, if he was there, I would have taken him. He wasn't there, so, yeah, I didn't take him. Um, I like Justin Herbert, and I hope people don't read that the wrong way, but that division is stacked with quarterbacks. So I, just, I, I'm, I'm amazed that people take that Justin Herbert take as a slight toward Justin Herbert. It's not. It's a compliment toward a division full of really good QBs, great QBs. Herbert's going to be one of those. He will be better. He's young. We don't need to put all these arguably the best in the NFL labels on him. Jeff Texton, NFL Player of the Week, Josh Allen. Yeah. It's uh, it's probably probably a fair one. Uh, as we wrap up, we want to remind you that for uh, every University of Hawaii road football game, we'll be on the road. Our viewing parties at Big City Diner uh, throughout the year. And uh, next week, Saturday, we'll be at Big City Diner Windward Mall for the uh, Hawaii-New Mexico State game. So uh, make sure you check us out. Coach Arnold Martinez and I will see you at noon uh, a week from Saturday uh, with uh, the Mega Modelos on special for 7 bucks, prize giveaways, really good Big City Diner food, and uh, so much more. That's at Big City Diner 
in uh, Windward Mall, thanks to Paradise Beverages and Coca-Cola and Dio Tani Produce and so much more. The Brotherhood, it's up next.